Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We film and record at all times of the year, but we like to release our episodes with a little bit of a connection to either current events or holidays or the like. So mid-November is a gimme, because Thanksgiving is absolutely the perfect time for us, for most every type of content we might hit on the Agriculture Podcast. You have to start with food. Our main focus is agriculture, of course, and that's pretty much the first thing that many people think about when this holiday rolls around. Food. Depending on your house, your visiting relatives, or the economy, the discussion might be about the cost of food, the availability of food, preparing the food, or recovering from eating too much of said food. Most of us in this country are even lucky enough to argue over what types of food we want to eat. In my household, that was a kitchen and table space familial negotiation to determine whether it was going to be my dad's generational favorite, the traditional Thanksgiving turkey, or my cousin's favorite, the juicy beef roast, or my more recently acquired favorite, the honey-baked ham. Okay, that's a lie. With those three, I don't really have favorites, so I win no matter what. As we got older, we'd settle the matter entirely by having mom cook a turkey to prevent my dad from having too much drama, and then pick up a honey-baked ham for those of us heathens. We saved the roast for Christmas. But since family farming is also one of our favorite topics, the idea of sitting around a kitchen table with the fellow swimmers in your gene pool is also one we like to accentuate at this time of year. We might not all make the food we're eating, but at least we can recognize how hard it is to keep or get everyone together. It's hard to get grandparents, parents, kids, and grandkids together on only one day without Armageddon. But when you toss in a six-day work week of dawn-to-dusk labor and then think about how tough some tables have it, you understand. No wonder half the Midwest is turning into factory farms and strip malls. And there's one thing that most of us raised in this country's educational system can think back to at this time of year. We learned our Thanksgiving history. Whether the version is 100% documented or is highly edited to just remember the good parts. We usually all started with craft day in kindergarten and a turkey drawn on a paper plate from a crooked tracing of your stubby little hand. And then at some point in there, you get to dress up like a pilgrim or a Native American and you do a school play or some kind of equally embarrassing thing that taxes your recitation skills in front of your peer group. That is not my best memory from childhood, by the way. And then somewhere a few grades later, we all got to a little bit of the meatier part of history. This is usually when we're introduced to the reality that white people can starve sometimes, too. I don't know how many of you have been to New England in the wintertime, but I will say that November is not the time you want to visit. I have a relative on my personal tree that decided to come over on that big boat back in 1620, landed in November, and no doubt said, What the hell were we thinking? Damn it! This place is cold! Go back! Go back to the boat! If they didn't think so right away when they set foot on the shore, I'm sure they did when they got a month or so into winter. In comes the scarcity part. It's also the part of the story where some people showed up that looked nothing like them, 
lived nothing like they did, and probably were thinking, what kind of idiot goes to New England in November? Damn it, it's cold. But these other people brought donations for the food bank anyway, because starvation's a pretty ugly thing to see no matter which side of the Atlantic you're from. Well, that was the easy part of the Thanksgiving story that we learned early on, but it kind of went sideways somewhere when we got older. We might understand in grade school that some people have issues living where they're living due to conditions in that area, or disagreements with the others who live there. And sometimes they get on a boat or something with legs and go somewhere else to start over. Sometimes when they get there, they weren't quite ready for living there, and a helping hand ended up being a really nice thing. And then, when we're old enough to drink or drive or vote, all of a sudden we get pretty possessive of our toys and get snotty with the pilgrims. Wait, snotty with the natives. Snotty with our fellow pilgrims or fellow natives? Huh. Actually, if either has more stuff than us, or something we want, or they look different, we're all fair game. The fact that we got a few of our national, economically critical agricultural crops from them and survived due to that whole, here's how you grow the three sisters concept, well, that goes by the wayside. And yes, they were said to get some of those from somewhere else too, so what comes around goes around for all, I would say. By the way, the three sisters are the cozy planting companions, squash, corn, and beans, for those of you scratching your heads on that last one. Now, I'm not getting moralistic because everyone does that thing. Let's face it, we're snotty with anyone who does not look like us. And the turkey paper plate is not the only thing we learned in kindergarten. We fought over who got the best toys then, too. And who got to stand in the lunch line first. And on. And on. We have a history of all that, and it doesn't seem to end until we're planted. It's kind of sad. And the people who look different from us can be here for way longer than us. Or they may have come in on a boat 100 years before we did, and we're still snotty. Now, before I go further, and after those last few slightly sarcastic paragraphs, I have to disclose something that you may or may not know. I am a pretty blunt person by nature. I hate beating around the bush sometimes. Big surprise for some of you, I know. I'll say that I try to be courteous and understanding of other people, and I try not to say things that might be offensive. That includes refraining from language that might not sound offensive to me, but it might bother other people. Now that I've said that, you might understand that political correctness sometimes drives me nuts. I'm not talking about people who are awful enough to say mean or closed-minded things about other people purposely, mind you, or treating each other in icky ways. That's just plain horrid. I'm talking about the problem we seem to be having with discussing our differences and our sameness. We walk on eggshells and then sometimes ignore the elephant in the room because we can't handle both elephants and eggshells in the same conversation without thinking said creature will squish every shell we see and we'll all end up in litigation. But the fact is that all of that stuff is shoved down the collective throat these days, and it can be a bit annoying. Regardless of how truly fantastic the initial concept is, we don't always like to hear about it every other minute. I hearken back to my very first album purchase of all time, Journey's Escape. Steve Perry is a godlike man with a godlike voice, and I was all in on Don't Stop Believin'. I still am, and it's still one of the best moments ever in a car with a good sound system. But when that song got incorporated into the final minutes of The Sopranos, and then the radio spread it all over the place, so even my mother recognized Steve's golden whiskey voice, well, I've got to say that since then, I have changed the radio once or twice when that glorious song started to play. It's blasphemy, I know. 
but you take any fantastic thing and you beat people over the head with it and it'll start to get exhausting. I recognize that this can be a contradiction. We have the ability to recognize things that should be enshrined in the This Is Important Hall of Fame and yet need to say, move along now with that same thing. Anything can be that way. And today's podcast made me think about my preconceptions quite a bit. I hope it does the same for you when you hear what's coming up. The New York State Sheep and Wool Festival, also known as Rhinebeck, gave us opportunities to speak with many different people, and our 2022 visit was no different. Again, we spent quite a bit of time in the busy breed barn, and this is where we tracked down Juliana, Kat, and Anne, our guests today, who were manning the BIPOC booth. For the head scratchers, BIPOC is an acronym that stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. When we arrived in the blissful chaos of the barn, the ladies were wrist-deep in a dyeing demonstration, dunking a beautiful batch of bluish-green homegrown fiber while answering the questions of the group watching. I'll let you listen to our conversation in a minute. We had put this interview on our calendar weeks earlier, so I got to ruminating about it before we got there. I left thinking about it afterwards as well. And the two things that kept running through my mind were... Why do some of us who are tired of the eggshell and elephant dance have a gut reaction to the acronym BIPOC? And sometimes the word representation. They're words that are very appropriate for what they're trying to convey. Now think about it. If there's one thing our agricultural system should remember throughout our history, it's the different colors and shapes and sizes that have contributed to threads that make the tapestry as strong as it is today. And if we do recognize that, how do we make sure we don't get too much of any one thing? Only one type of thread, be it color, length, or softness, makes for a pretty one-use fabric. Diversity is something nearly all of us understand as a strength, after all. And then there's representation. This goes hand-in-hand with the first part, and it also keeps running through my brain. It can mean many things, but particularly right now after our recent election. Representation is a phenomenally important idea to a healthy system of any kind, whether it's political or social or practically anything. Recognition of the importance of all the parts of any organism keeps us balanced and strong, even if it's been played to death in political ad placements. And we all have a tendency to think of things as they appear in our immediate vicinity, so it's kind of easy to forget that the rest of the world is not like our little corner. Think about the disconnect that occurred between the big stretches of blue on the edges surrounding that big stretch of red in the middle. Representation helped with that lesson one way or the other. Our country was supposedly founded on representation for all, and when we lose it, we've lost something bigger in my opinion doesn't just apply to politics. It's about counting everyone as being part of the whole with a say and with value. I listened to Anne talk in today's interview and I was once again horrified at the imbalance. Just one more thing for me to ruminate on as I do my laundry. Well, both of these words in today's news have become like the wonderful song that is Don't Stop Believing." They came from something that was a hit and played constantly because it was a great idea. It resonates, even still. And both of these ideas can get to the point where we want to turn the channel because we've heard them so much. 
but it's because they resonate and not because they're not important. My politically correct self is feeling slightly abashed, but better the more I think about it. Oh, and as I go to the refrigerator for the umpteenth time today, I also find myself remembering that our country was also founded on free food from nice people who helped us when we were starving and taught us all about cranberries, too. Thank the universe for the original BIPOC bunch, or most of my people wouldn't be here at all. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Each and every one. Oops, wait, that's the next holiday. Here we are at Rhinebeck 2022, or the New York State Sheep and Wool Festival. Ladies, if you could just quickly introduce yourselves, please. Who's going to go first? Yeah. Left to right. That's okay, me. hi, I'm Juliana. I am a sheep farmer in Ithaca, New York, and I am raising Icelandic sheep. In Ithaca, uh, that's a good place because it's cold in Ithaca. Yeah, and that's also why I choose Icelandic. They have those two layers and like lots of colors and I I have a herd with 20 sheep and they are amazing and I am having a lot of fun and it's my first time here at the festival this year with my friends yeah hi I'm Kat I'm from Reed Farm in Massachusetts and I'm raising Ramadel CVM you hear that name a lot around <laughs> Ramadels are very popular sheep they are they're very sweet yeah, yeah beautiful colors on them too I'm Ann Choi. I'm in um, Bedminster, New Jersey. I raise a flock of natural colored Shetland sheep. Um, I also have a couple of goats, but they're just for fun. <laughs> they have no job except um, just be fun. Entertainment. Fun I know. Yeah, that's a goat exactly. Job. And I make, um, I make yarn from their wool. Um, this is this is dyed with indigo, um, but I use um, use their wool for natural colored yarn. It's she beautiful. made this. I know. I was looking at that earlier. It's her gorgeous. sheep, and she made it. <laughs> yeah, I wove, I wove my, I wove the yarn and then sewed it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay, so now you ladies are here in the breed barn, and you have your, you have your samples of your sheep. And obviously, you are sheep people, but you're in the BIPOC booth, correct? That tell mm -hmm. me, that's a kind of a new thing in the last couple of years. It's been here. Tell me a little bit about it. It is. Yeah. So I've actually been coming to Rhinebeck for years and years. Um, during the pandemic, it went virtual. And they asked us to sort of make a virtual panel about BIPOC fiber farmers, which is very new and it's very exciting. And so we did that 2020, 2021, and now we're here in person. So we're really excited about that. To have a booth is a dream. Okay, so now tell me what BIPOC stands for. Give me your spiel here. Yeah, it stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And... Um, yeah, so we are connecting with a more diverse group and with diverse like backgrounds. Like I am from Brazil. Uh, you have a Korean. I'm Korean American. Yeah, and what is your background? I'm Korean. Yeah, and we have other farmers and other BIPOC farmers that are part of our network. So, I mean, we say we have farmers. It's actually a hand of us. Um, I and uh, Emily Sang in Washington State are the only two Asian women um, making yarn in the United States. That can't be right. Really? It's right. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I'm on the East Coast and Emily is, on, is in Washington State. She and I are the only two Asian farmers making yarn. Yeah. So I wanted to, I, I didn't want to be the only person in the room. So um, we want to reach out. I know that there are um, black and brown people who want to farm. Um, and I want to be a resource for them. I want them to know that we're out here. Um, we can be a network. 
um, and to encourage one another. So, you know, you, when you think of multiculturalism in a farming environment, it, it you always think, okay, indigenous peoples are the only peoples that are going to be represented when people get that mental picture, right? Mm. And yet, Asian people have been coming to the United States voluntarily or otherwise for a hundreds and hundreds of years, correct? Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's a really fantastic thing. I mean, my relatives were German. They came from another country. They they, they came from nothing, and they came here, and they started doing carpentry work because that was what they knew. And so we don't necessarily associate, you know, we have this very constrained idea of what it means right. to be multicultural in farming. Mm -hmm. right. And so this is a really exciting thing because we all come from another country unless we were the original peoples that were here, right? Mm -hmm. When I started um, selling my yarn, I actually, um, in the beginning, I wasn't showing pictures of myself because I don't look like what a sheep farmer looks like. That's terrible. Of course you ever, I mean, I, yeah, yes, but I don't, ahead. Oh, I don't. Right. So um, when then when I had to make a conscious decision to um, to put my face out there because I wanted other people who were considering raising sheep but didn't feel like there was anyone else doing it. I wanted them to know that yeah, there is someone doing it. Um, yeah. There aren't many of us, and I'd like to grow our numbers. But this has always been the case throughout history, right? Because the women didn't used to be representative of farming, even though they were the ones traditionally in this country that raised the chickens or that went out and fed. So, you know, there was not representation by gender either to, to some extent. So it, it's a really nice thing to see that we're broadening our scope of what it means to be in farming, to be in weaving, to be anything. I see a great number of men that are out here knitting sweaters, yes. which I think is fantastic. You know, it's a really peaceful thing. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Now, one of the things that is difficult in farming is that it's it's land-based to some extent. Yes. And mm -hmm. so if you start from scratch, you know, my relatives couldn't, when they came 100 years ago, they came here, they couldn't afford to buy land because they came right off the boat and they were just lucky to get out of Europe. You know, it was one of those types of things. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of why we don't have the representation. Yes. The land justice issues, um, accessibility yeah. to land. That's a big part of um, the land access and also the education um, and the support. So you're not going to find that um, where you have um, immigrant po populations. So that's a big part of why it's not there. Um, that's what we'd like to create. Yes, now there, there's, you would like to say, well, there's, are you, do you stick with traditional things like a Navajo person? Or, you know, maybe they're going to well, weave traditionally, but maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe so they Shetland wanna... sheep are not a traditional Korean. Um, heritage, but what I do with my yarns is, um, it is my Shetland sheep. I also blend it with silk and I use um, a fiber called Raimi. Raimi is a vast fiber like linen. Uh, Raimi is also a fiber that I grew up with in Korea um, oh. because it's traditionally, it's a traditional Korean fiber used in the summers uh, because it's so cool. It, um, it, it holds its own shape so it stays away from your body, it doesn't cling. Um, but it's a fabric that I, that I would wear in Korea when I was little and I remember my grandmother wearing. So it is really special for me to have a yarn that I created with my sheep and then also uh, bring in my heritage. That's fantastic because yeah. you are the epitome of the melting pot. In this country is different cultures and peoples melting together and you've done the same thing with your fiber. That's a fantastic thing. Yeah, so it's really it's really personal and um, yeah, it means, a, it means a lot to me to be able to make this yarn. I always thought that, that yarn and knitting, my mother used to knit and so it was a it was a very personal thing. You wear it's intimate. You wear it next to your skin. You know, you you it's usually made with love or attention or care. It takes a lot of time and thought. Usually, when the person's making it, my mother used to sit and think, and you know, it's almost like a meditation in a way. You think about who you're making the product for. There's a lot of you that goes into that thing. 
So I, I always thought that was a that's a wonderful thing. And obviously, there is a lot of you that goes into the products that you make. So what is your what is the one thing that you would like to educate everybody about in terms of what it means to be a BIPOC farmer or or knitter or weaver or anything? Do you think that, that, that we have preconceived ideas that you'd like to educate people about? Or Yes, I, I think especially after the pandemic, a lot of people are more aware of like how important it is to connect to the land and connect to the food systems and connect to the fiber and... A lot of people, they they are curious about it and they want to raise animals or they want farm and they feel that they cannot. And I want to encourage people that they can. And we can think outside of the box and we can pursue that and we can learn. Even though if I didn't grow up in the farm or if you didn't grow up in the farm or if you have never done it, there are lots of resources out there group like us in different locations that you can find resource and you can find a support system to learn and, and grow and and flourish. Yeah. So if you did want to name some of those resources where somebody somebody just just wanting to get started, where would you where would you send them? Well that's one of the things we want to build really because there aren't that many of us. We really want to build our community. So we're starting to do that and we're thinking about what ways we can do that. We'd love for people to reach out to us. Um, we have a Discord server that's not super active right now, but we'd really like for it to be. And then maybe we'll start a newsletter, maybe we'll do a retreat. These are things we're talking about now, and I think it'd be amazing for us to grow together, we're stronger together, share resources, you know, support one another. Aww. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> well, it, it is a, I'm it, sold. <laughs> well, it's a great thing, but it is also a very personal thing. You guys are putting yourself out there to try and help other people, and that's, a, that's just a really, it's such an important thing, because... Many people are just so tired by the time they get to the end of the day, where do I start to do this other thing? Or if they want to, if they want to do something new. And so the, that this like a fiber, the weaving, when you have weave them together, it's a stronger thing, isn't yes. it? That's well, it really means a lot for us to be here, to have a booth um, at this barn, because as long as I've been coming to this festival, when you come into this breed barn, there has been no representation. Yeah. It's stall after stall after stall of yes. white farmers. Yes. Um, and so if you are a non-white person who's looking to get into sheep, it can be a little bit discouraging. So that's why we wanted to have a presence here um, to welcome and to reach out to anyone who is interested. Again, land-based. Yes. But the interesting thing to me is that in, in our studies of the animals that have come to this country, they come from Spain. They come from Iceland. They come from the Vikings. It's all... All over. All over. And so we adopt and adapt as, as we go. As people in this couple hundred years, maybe, I mean, the silk trade, if you're adding silk to your fibers, you know, that came from a land far away as well. So it's, a, it's, it's the way of people. And I think that's one thing maybe that people forget is just people, mm -hmm. you know. Fiber so. is common. Fiber, fiber really does reunite a lot of cultures. Couple, couple thousand years of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Do you have, do you have a um, social media site or a webpage that you want to direct anybody so to? So farmers. <laughs> no, I'm okay with individual. I mean, I listen to you talk about your fibers. I think we should fibers. do that, but for now, folks can find our profiles on the Rhinebeck website, okay. and then we all have our Instagrams, and we'll be tagging each other. And I think maybe we maybe we should make a, a group Instagram. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. That's we'll see. Let's see if we can all pull, yeah. that, pull that together. In my case, uh, they can find me on Instagram at Viva Acres. Yes. Did you spell that? V-I-V-A underscore Acres. Yeah.
Beautiful. And I'm at the naughtycat.insta. <laughs> Don't even want to go there with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, the naughty with a K-N-O-T-T-Y K-A-T dot insta. That's excellent. <laughs> um, I'm Anne dot, oh, it's A-N-N-E dot C-H-O-I. Wonderful. Thank you all for sharing. Thank this you. is fantastic. Thank you. And you are going to speak here, aren't we you? We are. We're going to speak at 1.30, and we're excited to see people there. That's fantastic. Out in the, the Breed Talk section. Exactly. So you get to go out in the sun here in a minute, huh? Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, ladies. Very thank much. you. Thank you. <laughs> if you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S., We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So, we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. We would like to thank the BIPOC group for joining us today, and also the New York State Sheep and Wolf Festival. If you'd like to find out more information, please visit the links in our bio. We'll see you soon with another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, All Rights Reserved. Copyright 2022.